showtime. My name is Landau Eugene Murphy Jr. Landau, are you chewing gum? Yes, I am. I, I wouldn't do that when you're Want performing in this show, seriously. Thank you. I would sacrifice anything, come what might, for the sake of having you near, in spite of the warning voice. It comes in the night and repeats how it yells in my ear. Don't you know, you little fool, you never can win. Why not use your mentality? Get up, wake up to reality. And each time I do, just the thought of you makes me stop just before I begin. Because I've got you. Under my skin And I like you Under my skin You are a very unusual talent. You're the kind of reason that we like doing the show. Because you come out of nowhere, you've never auditioned before in your life, and you have a natural God-given talent. Your life is never going to be the same. I'm telling you, you just take your whole life. to the Rosie and Bill Show. I'm Bill Miller, along with Rosie DeSanctis. And please welcome to the show the winner of America's Got Talent Season 6, Landau UG Murphy Jr. Welcome to the show, Landau. Thanks for having me. How is everybody doing? We're doing great. That was an amazing clip. I will tell you, I, first of all, I can't believe it's your first audition ever. That's yeah. unheard of on that kind of a stage and the stakes being that high. And it was as memorable as anything we've ever seen. So my first question for you is, you came out chewing gum and you had confidence and swag. Did you kind of try and throw them a little bit to throw them off being you were doing kind of standards and you kind of dressed down a little bit? Uh, no, I actually just got robbed. <laughs> so that outfit, <laughs> I just bought those pants in New York. I, I bought that sh that uh, that corduroy 
blazer from like a goodies, like a going out of business sale or something for like a hundred dollars. Then I went to New York, but it's like somebody had just robbed me and I, I signed up so I didn't have any clothes. I bought those pants in Times Square and then I went to my audition. I actually went to New York in a jogging suit. Wow. So wait, Uh, where were you? I lived in New York for a long time. Where were you when you got robbed? What happened? I was, I got robbed at home. I was actually doing like uh, events for nursing homes. I would go and do like private events for nursing homes just to, you know, give back to my community. And while I was away, someone robbed my home. They took all the copper out of my walls, all my furniture and, just stripped my house basically while I was away doing a show. When I came home, I had nothing. So I signed up for America's Got Talent instead of, you know, looking at the bad side of it. I looked at it in a positive way is to say, you know, I really have nothing to lose. Might as well go for it, you know, big time right now. So I signed up for America's Got Talent, you know, and the rest is history. It is history. Landau, that moment when Howie said to you that your life is now going to change forever. And you really got choked up. Bill and I got choked up. I was like very emotional when I saw that. What was that moment like for you? Oh, it was something that I've looked for for all my life. You know, growing up in Logan, West Virginia, my parents splitting up in, you know, in 84 when I was like 11 years old and moving me to Detroit. But I've always tried to fit in, you know, Um, and we always look for that confirmation from your friends or your peers or, you know, relatives and things like that. And I just never got it until I got on television. It was like, it was just like one of those moments, like, wow, I can't believe I let so many negative things and, and negative comments hold me back from actually doing what I'm doing right now. Because I didn't know that, you know, people were going to love me the way that they did because of the comments that they would say to me, like, oh, you're skinny, you're black, you're ugly, look at your teeth, all of this stuff. It was just, so I didn't want to be seen by anybody. Like, I just didn't. But God has a way of, you know, working in our lives. I be getting robbed, lit a fire under me to say, hey, you ain't got nothing else to lose. Like, this is what you got to go do. It's either this or go down the, the wrong path and doing stuff for the streets. So I, I chose the, just the better path, you know, that was presented to me. And, and it all worked out. But, you know, emotions came from just, you know, just everything flashing in my mind. When, it, when they were saying all that stuff to me, it's like everything that any bully or any hater or anybody ever said to me just popped in my head. It was just like, I can't believe that I was, you know, actually stupid enough to believe what they were saying instead of just actually going and pursuing, you know, my dreams and believing in myself. So that was like a big boost of confidence and it just felt good. And, you know, I couldn't stop those tears. I couldn't even, I tried to get off stage when they were saying this stuff to me, but they wouldn't let me leave. That's why you see me kind of like pacing back and forth and trying to get off the stage with it was just an amazing moment for me because it was the confirmation that I've always won. Well, one thing, too, that, that stuck out to me was from the moment you walked out on the stage, you had, and Rosie kind of touched on it, you, you had just a poise, just a, a belief in yourself. And I know you just said a few minutes ago that, you know, you were going to go for it after that situation happened when you were robbed. But 
where do you think that that confidence came from? Because you just you just had it. You really you just had it. And I just remember when you belted out the first line or two, seeing the audience like rise as one, you know, yeah. as you did that. But what gave you that confidence just from the moment you walked out on the stage chewing that gum? Uh, just being where I'm from and all the stuff that I've been through. You know, I've been in front of plenty of audiences. I just never auditioned for anything. You know, I actually had a blue soul band before I went on America's Got Talent. So I was singing in bars, like redneck bars, not just, you know, African-American bars. I'm talking about bars where I wasn't even supposed to be in. You know, and I still... I changed the way people thought of me. And so I knew through music that I could be who I wanted to be. So when I walked out on stage, it was like, okay, New York, here I am, but you have no idea what I'm about to do. So it was exciting at the same time for me. And then the way that I was dressed didn't show that. Everybody thought I was gonna do like Motown or hip hop or something like that. And so even the producers of the show, the judges, nobody knew what I was gonna do. But the only person knew what I was gonna do was me and God all himself, you know. So it was just it was just a wonderful feeling to have that secret. Obviously, that was a life-changing moment for you. It yes. it kind of steered the trajectory of things to come. Do you though recognize the impact you had on everyone else? Do you feel inspirational? Uh, yeah, now, now I do. I mean, I, I was, I use my talent to actually do that anyway. I, I, I don't want to like ever put myself on a pedestal where I'm better than anybody else. The hardest thing for me to do on that show was to compete because I don't, I don't feel like there's competition. If you have a talent and I have a talent, your talent is your talent. My talent is mine. Why do I have to knock you off a pedestal? You know, so I always use my talent to put smiles on people's face, which in turn helps me, you know, keep a smile on my face and be the silly guy that I am, you know? I mean, I, you never want to see anybody going through hard times or being bullied or, you know, being picked on or looked down upon. So I use all my gifts that God gave me to uplift anybody, you know, whether it's an enemy, friend or foe, it's just, it's just my spirit. That really came through, especially when you first walked out and Pierce kind of reprimanded you for having gum in your mouth. Yeah. And, and there was just, you know, those shows sometimes they, Bill, Bill called them like similar to shock jocks, you know, they kind of are hired to be uh, the naysayer and, and kind of give people a hard time. So he was really throwing a lot of disdain your, you know, your way and the energy and you did not flinch. You took the gum out and you still have that beautiful smile and you just did your thing. And That's because of where I'm from. Like I said, I've, I've been around all walks of life with people. And I just, I knew he was going to be there because that's the type of person he's supposed to play on that show. You know, he's supposed to be the bad judge, like the one that you're really supposed to fear with. I just had no fear of Piers Morgan. He was he was like a cupcake to me, <laughs> you know. And um, like I said, I've been around. I've been around hostile crowds. I've been around. I've been in bars with African American crowds where they just they would boo you like the Apollo. I've been around crowds of my own peers, my own family, walk in and booing me just to see if they can test me and shake me to make me get off the stage. You know, I've been around. You know. Uh, 
rich crowds, you know, snobby people just sitting around looking at you like they're better than you. I've been around, you know, rednecks where they just really, really want to throw a bottle at you, but they can't do it because you sound so good and the music is just <laughs> so good. They just be like, well, that boy's actually really good. I don't know what to say about it. You know, so I, I love it. I love that challenge. That's That gives you the butterflies. That gives you the motivation to want to be the best person you can. So that was that was my um, competition. It wasn't the actual competitors on the show. It was it was conquering the audience, conquering New York, conquering Las Vegas, conquering Hollywood. You know, and it was just like here I am as a regular human being. I'm not on a pedestal. I'm just being me, and I'm gonna make you enjoy what I do right now. And it's also going to bring back wonderful memories for all the grandparents of the world because the Golden Girls are gone and Gunsmoke is not on television anymore. <laughs> so singing this music just brings back all those wonderful memories. And I used to do nursing homes before I actually went on that show. I used to go to nursing homes and sing to, you know, people that were basically in a coma and they would actually move their feet or tap their hands because they hear those sounds. You know, they hear that music again, so. Well, you certainly have. Uh, wh why the love affair with those jazz standards and Frank Sinatra? Because there's no controversy. You notice that? There's nobody picking on anybody in that in that genre. There's no competition. It's like Frank Sinatra sung his songs of love, blue skies, puffy clouds. It doesn't put down your fellow man. It, it basically just an uplifting spirit type music. And so I'd rather do that because a lot of people don't understand when you get on stage and you got that microphone, you have a platform, but it also gives you a responsibility, you know, a responsibility to your elders, responsibility to your peers, and a huge responsibility to the generations to come. So I wanted to show them that you can actually be yourself and be clean doing it. There was a, I, I believe it was a moment from the finale when you did My Way. And one of the things that can happen when you do those standards is you can't try to imitate the way Sinatra did it or Dean Martin or whoever did those standards. But I remember Sharon said something along the lines of, you did it flawlessly, but you did it your way. And how did that come about where you really do put your signature on those songs, I think. If they may be standard songs and you're you're paying homage to that genre, but how do you maintain the ability to still put your, you know, touch on it or be yourself while you're doing that? Just what you said, being myself. Just be yourself. That's the easiest thing you can do. I, I can't be Frank Sinatra. It's only one Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra Jr. couldn't even be Frank Sinatra. It's true. You notice that? He, he tried to, but he couldn't do it. If he would have just came out and been Frank Sinatra Jr., his career would have been just as big as his dad. But by him coming out trying to be his dad, it doesn't work that way. The easiest thing you can do in life is be yourself.
that is not the only style in your repertoire. When we talked the other day, you said you have some other things that you like to do when you sing out. And I believe the name Rick James came up. Oh, Rick James. He came up. What's your favorite Rick James song? Oh, I don't have a favorite song, period. I think all music is, is beautiful. You know, I, I listen to everything from, you know, Rick James to uh, Nirvana. You know, I listen to the Rolling Stones. I listen to Wet Willie. I listen to, you know, Sam and Dave. I'll go all the way, you know, to Counting Crows or, you know, anything. I just like all genres of music. And I never had like a favorite song like everybody always asks me like what's your favorite song to sing how can you have a favorite song how <laughs> it's impossible to have like a favorite song that's well, if impossible you could sing a couple lines today from something what would it be and will you sing it i would sing summer wind to you guys since we're on like the whole frank sinatra thing i would love to do that for you okay go ahead the summer wind came blowing in from across the sea It lingered there To touch your hair And walk with me All summer long We sang a song And then we strolled That golden sand Two sweethearts And the summer wind <laughs> oh. That's one of my favorite Frank Sinatra songs. That's awesome. Yeah, that's like you said, like you just said, it's one of your favorite Frank Sinatra songs. You can't have a favorite Frank Sinatra song. You just can't. It's just so many. You got Eastern Sun, West of the Moon, you got My Way, you got Under My Skin, Fly Me to the Moon. Yeah, it's just so many songs that are so beautiful and, and none are like the other. You can't have one favorite song. I think for most of us, if we're being honest, it can change with the seasons. It can change with the day. And, and why exactly. you position. So I, I appreciate your honesty. Right. You've got your fourth album, which yes. was recorded live on a very special day at a yes. special place. And from what I understand, this whole pandemic thing has kind of put a little bit of a hold on it. But there's an interesting story, I think, around the songs that are going to be on this album. Can you tell us what it was that led to the songs you chose for this album that hopefully will be coming out very soon? A lot of it was, you know, me just being spontaneous, like in between singing Frank Sinatra songs. Like I would just sing songs a cappella for my audience. And they were like, what? How did you go from Frank Sinatra to singing Rick James? <laughs> you know, or... How'd you go from Prince or Dean Martin to singing, you know, um, Otis Redding, you know, or, you know, Percy Sledge and things like that. So that's how I put the album together. It was like a combination of Frank Sinatra and some soul music, some Motown stuff. You know, I got Bruce Hornsby on one of my albums. I did Just, just, just the Way It Is, you know, by Bruce Hornsby. It's just a lot of songs like that that I grew up, you know, growing up in West Virginia, West by God, Virginia, and don't you forget to buy God. Now you got to realize I grew up, you know, watching night tracks. But the, the hardest thing that I had seen as far as hip hop goes was Sugar Hill Gang. You know, hip hop, 
Hibbit, hibbit to the hip, hip, hopper, you don't stop. A rocket to the bang, bang, boogie, say, ump, jump, the boogie to the rhythm of the boogity bee. You know, I was to hearing that. I learned that all music can be anything you want. And they all take you to a different place if you can, like, lose yourself in it. You can listen to a song and feel great. You can listen to a bad song and feel bad. Listen to a bad song that convinces you to do bad things. You listen to a good song that convinces you to do great things or good things. So I try to stay on the positive side, but also take the bad songs and, and figure out what the bad is in the song and say, okay, then I know not to do that. Like if I listen to a Snoop Dogg song and he's talking about doing a drive-by or hurting or killing somebody, he's basically giving me a blueprint of what not to do. So I just try to stay on the positive side. And it, it's caused me a lot of emotional pain because you know people pick on you when you're a good guy the good guy always finish last you know you, you get picked on people call you l7 piece of bread you know l7 square <laughs> you know what i'm saying he's a square he's l7 you know and they call me choir boy they, they they picked on me but you know i just turned it all into into the fuel that you know that i can burn off while i was on stage it makes me perform when i get on stage i got butterflies in my stomach my palms are sweaty but that makes me want to do it I think if that all went away I would just walk away wow well you do live it Landau and it's clear that you are not allowing yourself to be brought down by the people that want to throw hate or shade or be jealous or whatever so it, uh, it, it comes gotta, through yeah you gotta take all of that hate if somebody's talking about you or hating on you you gotta you gotta kind of be flattered about it because you gotta realize that person is wasting all of their breath and their day to talk about you. They have nothing else to talk about. <laughs> but you, it's like, wow, this man woke up this morning, got out of his bed, he probably didn't even kiss his wife or hug his kids, but he's got me on his mind. What am I doing so great? <laughs> You know, Landau, yeah. as, as you're saying everything that you're saying, I'm, I'm reminded of a Hall of Fame speech from a couple of years ago from, you know, Rosie and I are in the Philadelphia area. And one of the icons here in Philadelphia sports was Brian Dawkins for the way he played. And one of the things he said in his speech was he thanked all the doubters and all the haters that drove him and gave him the fuel to do what they said he couldn't do. And one of the lines he said was he turned his haters into elevators. That's what they become. That's what yeah. you have to do. Otherwise, you get swallowed up in it and you become exactly what they want you to become. A failure. Amen to that. All right, last question, Landau. We have a million more questions, but we'll, we'll just have to have you back another time. Uh, <laughs> Anytime. You sing a duet with someone. Who would it be? Is there, are there any artists you'd like to work with? Um, they asked me that on America's Got Talent, and my list was uh, Patti LaBelle, Aretha Franklin, Beyonce, Christina Aguilera, Stevie Wonder, and I think it was Natalie Cole or something like that. But yes. you know, half of those You're right people, for the top. right? Most of those people are deceased, but I actually got to sing with Patti LaBelle on America's Got Talent, you know, so I, I fulfilled that dream. But I like to sing with you know, uh, Beyonce or Christina Aguilera or. Anybody in the industry that I don't discriminate against. Anybody. Steve Wonder still around, also. Stevie Wonder, yeah, I would like to sing with Stevie, um, but I don't know. Like most of the people that I would really, really want to sing with are all 
deceased. You know, so if they can bring back a Coachella's like a image type deal, I would do one of those. <laughs> and they can, they do that a lot. It's actually really yeah. cool. Yeah. You know, we, gosh, this just flew by. We really enjoyed having you on the show and you are so talented. And, and in addition to that, you just seem like such a beautiful soul. Like it really comes through and you're passionate. I try to be very beautiful at all times. And if I come off as an ugly person, I'm so sorry. And you are quite a character. We, yeah. we, we gotta <laughs> yes. throw that in there. And 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 maybe maybe by the next time when you come on the show again, you can come out of that shell and lose some of that shyness. But I have to tell yeah. you one one last thing, Landau. Our motto of the show is we want to be a source of positivity on social media. And I can't oh. think of a single guest we've had, and we've had some amazing people on this show, but everything you've said and the way you've said it, and it's real and it's from the heart, you embody positivity at a level that few people do. And by doing that, you make a difference. Uh, you make a difference for a lot of people. And every week I try to end the show by saying something that I wanna thank you for doing, and that's making a difference. So thank you for modeling it and living it. And to all of our viewers, as Landau has done and did in this episode, make a difference for someone every day. And make every day a great day. Thank we'll you, Landau. Hey, thank you. God Thanks. bless everyone. God bless you.